Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. How can a library save your life? How do you win a deal with the devil? What do either of these have to do with math? Let's find out. So guys, I have some bad news. We can now confirm, without a doubt, that although he survived the plague, Fermat is definitely dead now. Gasp. <laughs> Research confirms this. <laughs> Fermat is definitely dead. A moment of dead. silence. <laughs> uh, so, now that we've started with his death, it, it actually <laughs> is important to start there <laughs> because uh, we, we talked in our previous episodes about how he personally did not publish anything. Mm-hmm. He just didn't care about it. Luckily, his son, as mentioned before, you know, he went through all of his writings and he made sure that his margins and his scribbles and his thoughts end up being published. And so rather than them being lost to time, as (laughs) many of our other works are. Because that sport has now. Right. He did not join the sport in that way. (laughs) Uh, They actually got published. And what happened was it left this set a breadcrumb trail, I guess, of great theorems in all of these notes and scribbles. Mm -hmm. But like his letters, they did not actually explain his secretive methods (laughs) or his proofs, but they suggest enough to convince Mm -hmm. the readers later on that he actually did have solutions to these things. Yeah, it's kind of like it was sort of goading mathematicians into trying to replicate the path that he may have taken, except from beyond the grave. (laughs) What it really sounds like is he was a note taker the way I'm a note taker. (laughs) Thought, thought, scribble thing down, mostly just random words, (laughs) no context at all. And yep, that's it. Moving on. Can I tell you... What my husband did the other day. Please. So I asked him, I said, I need you to remember to do this really important thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Could you please put a reminder on your phone so that I don't have to keep it in my head? Mm-hmm. And so he shows me his phone and he's giggling and he's like, <laughs> look what I wrote. <laughs> and what the reminder said was, ask Natalie to remind me to do the thing. <laughs> I was like, don't do that. We're both going to forget. We're both going to forget. So anyway, guess what happened? Did he forget to do the thing? We both forgot. (laughs) So I asked him, I said, did you do that thing that I asked you to do that I don't remember what I asked you to do? He's like, no, I forgot. I don't remember what it was. Also, the reminder just says, ask her about Mm -hmm. the thing. Correct. So no clues whatsoever. Uh Well, but my notebooks at work are like this. (laughs) I will find notes I've written to myself a long time ago. And I go, yeah, I have no idea what this means (laughs) at this point. So I'm just going to, it must not be that important. important. I'm going to throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but so anyway, mathematicians go after his problems uh, a lot like the way Erdish prompted and challenged people, right? Where he would give them a problem that was just outside of their reach, but that they could grasp if they tried hard enough. Right. And and so he's left kind of all of these little bits, these teaser mm-hmm. riddles out there. You know, again, even from beyond the grave, he's saying, I, Fermat, did this, can you uh-huh. sort of a deal. And so... There's actually a very famous one uh, in a margin of a book. He had this, he said he had this amazing proof, but the margin 
wasn't large enough to contain this marvelous. I got most of it in my head. Marvelous. What do I need to write it that down he for? had? And so he teases it, right? Uh-huh. I have the answer to this, but this book is far too small <laughs> to contain my marvelous writing on it. And it turns out, you know, if he did mm-hmm. indeed have this marvelous proof to which he could not write in the margin, <laughs> it's been lost. No one ever a found lost work of antiquity. Correct. No one ever found it. No one even found a little scribble of it. And to this day, it's it's become known as his last or great theorem. Correct. And so what was it? Well, Fermat took the Pythagorean theorem. Ooh, Pythagoras coming back again. Coming back, yes. And he said, right, we know that's a squared plus b squared equals c squared, c squared being the hypotenuse. But he says, well, what if a, b, and c are anything else instead of squared? So cubed, for example. Sure. Or seventh or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so no numbers work in that formula if they're plugged in for A, B, and C and they're cubed or fourth or seventh or whatever. No power larger than two seems to work at all. And he called these Fermatian triples. Which is hilarious because he's he is naming something <laughs> after himself that doesn't even exist. <laughs> Correct. No Fermatian triples, Fermatian triples exist. <laughs> he goes, but if they do, I'm just going to put my name on it right here, right <laughs> now. <laughs> but he had to prove mathematically. And of course, his notes state in the margin of the book that it was too small to hold his proof. Correct. I want to do this, by the way. <laughs> I think there's a one-eyed, one-horned monster out there. And if it does exist, which I don't think it does, but if it were to exist, I want it to be named K. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out right there. It might. <laughs> well, and now I've claimed it, which is exactly the point. So you're right. He He says that, you know, hey, margin, it can't hold it. And all these people get so interested and they all want to solve it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because they know he's, he's, his stuff has been proven right before. Right, right. So he, they're all out there trying to do this, but it remained completely unsettled until the 1990s. And he'd never mentioned it to anyone in his life. Mm-hmm. And like the rest of the work, he, he never published it. Yeah, and it, it, it's become this crazy riddle. Or I guess it became this crazy riddle for the mathematical world. It was legend, wait for it, dairy. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, it's even made, it's so famous Uh that it's even made its way into fiction. Oh, can I tell the story? Please do. I love telling stories. It's a really good one, too. Okay, here we go. A guy makes a deal with the devil that if the devil can't answer the question, mm-hmm. then the devil needs to give him $100,000. So this is the classic devil comes down to Georgia kind of a yes. thing. Yes. Okay. Or it's like the opposite of the evil spirit from Air Dish, right? Because right. the evil spirit isn't asking the question. Like right. You're asking the evil spirit. <laughs> Correct. Answer this question. And so he says, um, he asks the devil if Fermat's last theorem is correct. Ooh. And the devil says? Of course the devil can't answer, even <laughs> after using... All his immense power, everything at his disposal <laughs> to go jet to setting. all the mathematicians. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, it says he even goes to Saturn. Listen to this. Listen to this. Saturn. Saturn. Where they are far ahead of us in math. First of all, of how course. do they know that? Well, but of course they are. Because <laughs> it's Saturn. Right. So listen, listen though, that you're going to love this. Okay. You're going to love this. The devil says the great mathematician that he meets there. Mm-hmm. 
He looks like a mushroom on stilts. No. Yes. So imagine no. this. Mushroom on, on stilts. stilts. But he can do differential equations in his mushroom head. That's what it no. says. And he even he can't answer the question. So random. <laughs> this is the story you tell your children at night, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. This is what ma- stories for the children of mathematicians. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's really likely that Fermat <laughs> did not actually have the proof for this. I love that every time you're like, I'm setting myself up. Fermat. Fermat. <laughs> I take a little pause to try and stop myself and say it correctly. I've already asked for forgiveness, so I, you know. <laughs> so, so more than likely, this was one of those where it was a note that mm-hmm. he wrote to himself. Honestly, he might not have even been serious or ever thought anyone was going to see yeah, this little scribble. Yeah, because who's going to read this thing? Right. It was a book he owned and he scribbled in it. But regardless, likely he didn't have it. But the thing about this mm-hmm. is the search itself has led to a lot of great mathematical discoveries, which is awesome. It really is. And, you know, in, in I think it was the unfinished game, which I won't shut up about uh-huh. ever in my life, but... Uh, there's this quote that's actually attributed to Isaac Newton, uh-huh. but it actually was found from someone before him. But he talks about, you know, I could stand on the shoulders of giants and see far. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's about these great mathematical discoveries, the titans of the time. And, you you know, you make a discovery based on them. But but the way that it's it's written about in the book is that in order to get to the shoulder, if you think about how tall that is from the floor. Right, for a giant. Correct. (laughs) To stand on the shoulders of giants, you need to clamber over the work of many other figures, or you have to climb over... Just to get there. Just to get there. And and these figures, these small figures that you're clambering over, they've made small steps to make a ramp so that you can get up to the shoulders. Math is, is built a little by little. We need each other. Which is really fascinating. And and so that's totally different, though, from what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about those hoarders of mathematical knowledge who want to sell their sell their wares, sell their methods right. yeah. of calculation. Keep it secret, keep it safe. Right. And instead, this is sort of showing the beginnings of, hey, we need to collaborate because, you know, we got to pry it open. And just can a you imagine bit. if we still kept it secret, kept it safe? Erdish would not have collaborated with us so many people and he wouldn't have had he wouldn't have inspired all these people and it just it's it's I'm very grateful that we are in a collaborative math world now. <laughs> we need each other to make these great discoveries. Well, or to just advance. And and something that is interesting that I'm thinking about now is that we talked about application, mm-hmm. right? The the classic question of how when am i ever going to use this in my real life well in pursuit mm-hmm. of this last theorem all these people were trying to solve it and they come up with all of this amazing math while they're trying to solve this riddle that has absolutely no application right. really and their math actually does become applicable to things I'm reading this book called The Golden Age of Mathematics and or The New Golden Age of Math, I think it's called. And it's so interesting because the question is, really, what is the golden age of math? <laughs> We've had so many... Cool- Renaissance of math. <laughs> Renaissance Fermat. <laughs> TurboStat 3.0 is here. This state-of-the-art program created with classified top-secret algorithms ensures that your series are always infinite and your limits never exist. How do we do it? Don't ask, because we'll never tell. We keep our methods extremely secret and safe. 
All for your protection, of course. Sure, those other companies say they can calculate for Mahdian triples, but we've got the secrets that guarantee your figures will be significant. Our top mathematicians are standing by, so give us a call now. Okay, so we are back, and let's pick up the thread here about Fermat's last theorem and the, the quest to solve it. All right? <laughs> a hero's it's quest. A, it's an epic quest. So just... Recapping, Fermat <laughs> leaves this cryptic note after he's dead, and all his math peeps immediately start trying to prove this mm -hmm. this last theorem that you know the proof can't possibly fit in the margin of this book. And again, part of this was you talked about he would send these letters to people and say, "I can do this. Can you?" Right. So they thought uh -huh, it was solvable. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so at one point there was this guy named Frey, mm -hmm. and he realized that I'm gonna I'm gonna say some math. He oh realized that he could transform the equation of the theorem mm -hmm. so that it remained mathematically true to the original, but it became a different type of equation that was called an elliptical equation. Okay. okay. And so this was a huge thing because there was this idea out there and it was called the Taniyama Shimura conjecture. Can Pause. Conjecture. Con oh, yeah. So it means <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about mathematical proofs. Yeah. And before we can use... Uh, a proof or a theorem or a lemma or a corollary or whatever it must be proven to be absolutely true eggs are always healthy like we talked about so a conjecture then is it's a precursor to that it's something that a mathematician thinks is true right like i think eggs are healthy but it hasn't been proven yet gotcha. it's likely but it has it's, it's hence it being a conjecture, conjecture. okay mm -hmm. sorry Play. And so, <laughs> play. And so he said, the, or this Taniyama Shimura conjecture says that all elliptical equations are modular. However, this equation didn't seem modular. And so, what this meant. And listeners, if you feel a little confused about this, don't worry. You don't have to know all the background behind this. All you have to know is that what this meant was, if Frey could prove that the Taniyama Shimura conjecture was true, because remember, we didn't know for sure mm -hmm. it was true yet. It's just a conjecture. But if he could prove that it was true, then Fermat's last theorem would also be proven true, which is a huge deal. It's a mm -hmm. this enormous breakthrough because in a way, they, they took, right, uh, something that was unsolvable. Mm -hmm. And then they said, wait a minute, this can equal this other thing. Mm -hmm. And this, we know there's a possibility we can solve this thing. Well, if you think about it, right, it, that is the beauty of factoring. It takes this x squared equation and turns it into two linears. Something right, and that you we can, can solve from there. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about it. that is I have to tell you, this is the first time factoring actually made sense Yay! to me. This is, I had a little light bulb go off and I was like, this is why we do factoring. You only had to teach yourself calculus accidentally to <laughs> first, first before. See, there's the problem. We should start with calculus and we go should. back. But regardless, so this this what this did was it opened up a pathway to solving the theorem. Mm -hmm. And so Frey gets really excited. Mm -hmm. Frey realizes that this is a huge breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Frey can't wait to share this. He with runs with his quill. Right. He can't wait to share this with his colleagues. And so he gathers them all together in, in this big auditorium. And he explains this, this new idea mm -hmm. to the room of mathematicians who are listening to him and they suddenly realize as they're listening to him that <laughs> one, he's right, but two, that he's made a mistake. 
there was a flaw in the logic. He hadn't proven that his equation was absolutely not modular. He just sort of thought it was weird. Yeah. And so essentially, all the mathematicians ran out of this lecture <laughs> to try to fill in that bit of the puzzle so that they could be like, guys, me! So so I wonder if he was just did it. standing up there. And yeah, so the, re- the research says that he's he's delivering this mm-hmm. lecture to this group, right? Mm-hmm. And the group is listening and he says, so, you know, it, you can turn it into an elliptical equation, mm-hmm. which... People, I don't know what that means, but he says it, right? You can turn this into an elliptical equation. And all of his colleagues go, mm-hmm, so? Big deal. <laughs> what is that? What's the, what does that matter? And then he pulls, you know, he mic drops the Taniyama Shimura conjecture. And he goes, you know, we have this conjecture that, you know, is a way to solve this if thing. If we can so, prove this. Right, if we can prove this, it means we can prove the last theorem. And they all go, <gasps> And then they're just waiting for the bell to ring so they can run out and solve the problem. They're being real trolls, by the way. I don't know if that's true because (laughs) I have have been in pro dev sessions where (laughs) I'm thinking about or you go to a conference, right? Okay. And the presenter is telling you a thing and it inspires you to want to, whether it's improve your classes or make Mm -hmm. this innovative new thing. And I'm like, stop talking. I want to get out there and do it. And so this one thing makes sense for my class. I want to do it now. Even though I'm so excited and I want to be in the room, I also want to leave so I could do it right then. So I think it could be that. (laughs) Yeah, but I think they did kind of want to claim a little glory for themselves maybe uh, yeah i don't think it was all just oh for the good of the good of the world <laughs> the greater the good. mathematical world hashtag grindelwald they all rush out right <laughs> they all rush out of this place and they think it's going to be solved in just a few days mm-hmm. they're going to be able to prove it's not modular it's going to be simple there's all these people working on it so sooner yeah, the or guy later already had taken us far we pray we just right, need they to just fix his little yeah, error this little pothole right, right. right in the road so they they all run out they think this an email is going to come through at any day and it took something like 18 months after that of all these mathematicians working before that one piece <laughs> was finally solved. And here's the thing. All of that was just, like you said, one piece of the larger puzzle. Right. Now, though, mathematicians knew that if they prove the Taniyama Shimura conjecture to be true, guess what? They could solve Fermat's last theorem. So all these mathematicians celebrate. Woo, they're so we excited. We did it. And then the air goes out of their balloon because they realize <laughs> they they went, yeah, we ran out. We solved the thing. It's awesome. Now we have a really easy path forward to solving for Maslow's theorem, mm-hmm. except it's not that easy because they have to prove the Taniyama Shimura conjecture true now. And that is monumental. People have been trying to solve or to prove this to be true mm-hmm. for 30 years. And remember, right? Fermat lived in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. From then until now, it was proven in 1994 by Andrew Wiles. Not 1694, <laughs> 1994. We've been working on this for 300 years. It's so ridiculous. Also, fun fact. <laughs> Please. Fermat's last theorem saved someone's life. That is intense mm-hmm. and absolutely 100% true. Woo! So let me tell you about it. A guy named Paul 
Wolfskill <laughs> was completely in love with this beautiful woman. As you do. You know, like Hypatia, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Anyway, he was um, completely in love with this beautiful woman who didn't love him back. Perhaps Aww. she was married to the truth. Very sad. In his despair, though, he went about systematically getting ready to kill himself. Yes, and I'm glad you say systematically because it was just that. He had a plan and he followed it to the T. <laughs> so I guess mathematicians aren't all that impulsive. He chose a date because uh-huh. he decided, I'm despairing. My yeah. despair is too great, so I must <laughs> kill and myself. You, you, but then you got to plan back from that. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he chose a date. He decided, I'm going to shoot myself at midnight. I'm going to pick October 31st. Right. He's going I to, like that date. He chose a day. He chose the time. Mm-hmm. Midnight. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He chose the method. He went about settling his debts and his affairs. Gosh, he wrapped, that's considerate. He, yeah. He wrapped everything up in this neat little bow. And in fact, he was so systematic and so efficient. Like mathematicians are. Sure. That he got done with everything before midnight. Mm-hmm. So what is a mathematician to do when they pl- sit there planned- and just tap their feet? Right, they have planned to kill themselves, and yeah, he didn't want to be bored waiting around Who for his, would, yeah. his midnight. I'm, and also, I think there's a little bit of theatrics here, right? October thirty first at midnight. Yeah, I can't do it at eleven. It wouldn't be as dramatic. I can't do it then. at six thirty two. Right. So he goes, okay, I gotta waste some time here. <laughs> I think I'll go to the library. How excited are you that the guy chooses to go to the I'm library? I'm really excited about it. <laughs> I think that's the perfect place to go to kill a few hours. <laughs> so he he gets to the library and he finds himself looking at a mathematical paper by Kummer. Okay. As you, yeah, yeah, sure. He went to the library for research. Right. That is literally as you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so what he did, he's looking through this paper and he follows the proof line by line. Mm-hmm. But then he realizes there's a gap in the logic. <gasps> mm-hmm. So he didn't know whether it was actually a mistake mm-hmm. or if it was just an omission. So again, night of his chosen suicide, mm-hmm. gets finished with his affairs early, mm-hmm. takes a trip to the library. Mm-hmm browsing around, happens to open this one book, Mm -hmm. happens to look at this one problem, and he has this epiphany. He doesn't know, again, whether it was a mistake or an omission. If it was a mistake, Mm -hmm. then that meant that Fermat's last theorem would be easier to solve than originally believed. I'm picturing, like, thunder and lightning going on in the background. It's October 31st, This is an epic moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he sits down, right? He says, I just, give me a second. I'm going to look at this. I have some time. Yeah, (laughs) I have some time to waste. I'm either going to create a mini proof to fill in this gap, or I'm going to reveal something that shows that what we've all believed in this proof was actually wrong. So it's kind of like what we just said happened with Frey, who got up on stage and said, mm-hmm. here's this thing, and they all realized there was a gap, mm-hmm. right? And they all ran out to try and solve it. So he discovered a similar thing, mm-hmm. but in a book. Right, right, right. And so he was so excited. He's working through this, and he's so engrossed in his mm-hmm. work, and I feel this down <laughs> to my core. He works through until the dawn, Missing his suicide deadline. Hop on. Nice one there. <laughs> and in the end, 
he did create the mini proof to fill in the gap yes and he was so thrilled that he managed to do this that his love of life was renewed he now was married to the truth (laughs) and he decides not to kill himself he he missed his deadline mm-hmm. one, but also you know he, I guess you're right. And that, he had paid off his debts. That's r- nice, right? <laughs> or something. We we don't quite know how he settled his affairs, but <laughs> you know. But either way, he realized you know what that crush wasn't that serious. You know what's serious math, and so <laughs> so he he lives. He continues uh-huh. to work. He makes some money for himself because apparently he paid off his debts. Yes, but also <laughs> when he does eventually pass away Uh what he does is he leaves a hundred thousand marks as a prize for solving fermat's last theorem that's awesome because he believed it helped save his life it literally helped save his life and by the way a hundred thousand marks it would equal today about a million dollars that's so awesome right and what's even more interesting here is so this moment happens for him Uh right no one knows at the time that it happens right and he just goes on and continues life and doesn't doesn't kill himself but mm-hmm. he doesn't tell anyone and so his family were in shock when the will gets read because <laughs> they had no idea that this had occurred also i imagine they're probably a little ticked that yes, the money is going to, to a price. yes but regardless so what i think is also funny about this story is that this is big news when it comes right. out, right? I imagine it's on the fronts of papers and what have you. you know, man leaves hundred thousand marks to, to math. yeah, this this elusive prize that people. No, have he been. leaves it to math. That's <laughs> that's the headline. Man but leaves money to math. You would think that a bunch of mathematicians would get really excited about this. No, 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 no. Yeah, they didn't. They did not. They were. They go meh. Because they'd already given up on Fermat's last, again, 300 years, also, right? Also, <laughs> though, consider mathematicians because we want to sit there and work on the puzzle and have fun. <laughs> so we're like, ah, oh, money. But what the prize did, though, like the older mathematicians, like you said, they, they, mm, they gave up. It ignited all these new minds. And, and this seems to be... A theme with our math. It definitely is. I think that, and I also think it translates to in a lot of fields because sometimes we need to look at things from the outside to get a new appreciation for it. Like you and I have had so many conversations throughout this podcast about seeing math through your eyes has helped me to remember a lot of the things that I forgot I loved about math. (laughs) Yeah, it's I think sometimes it's a fresh perspective. And as we've done the research, we've noticed that a lot of the breakthroughs come from people who are thinking about it differently Mm -hmm. than everyone else. You know, everyone's doing it the tried and true Mm -hmm. way over and over and over again. And it's that person who just comes in and looks at it slightly differently. Right. That makes that little bit of a breakthrough. Another mathematician I really hope we cover soon is Alan Turing, because that is the perfect example of, of that. So hopefully we'll put that on our list as well. But, you know, even it all boils down to even after his Mm -hmm. death, Fairmont was remaining frustrating, right? He was still kind of a troll even after he had (laughs) passed away. He was frustrating and he was challenging. And in this case, he was also inspiring to Mm -hmm. a whole new group of mathematicians. And it's true. You know, I think that the, you know, another quote, I keep grabbing these quotes and they're, they're just very meaningful to me. But even the greatest intellects are prisoners of the age in which they live. Yeah. I mean, that I and I think that's true is you can't always see the impact you're going to mm-hmm. have 
in that moment. Right. Right. You don't know what it's going to apply to in the future. Mm-hmm. It's and, and I love this because I think that that one, all of this started because they were playing around with probability. And then he was it, he was doing math for fun. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'll scribble this in the notes. And it turned into this great adventure. Mm-hmm. All these mathematicians then became Indiana Jones. Right. On a quest. On a quest, right? For the crystal skull. Right. <laughs> but what I think is interesting is, yeah, it's, well, it's like all these people are going on a quest and they make it so far. And then the next person can follow the trail mm-hmm. that they forged to the point where they get stuck where that person was stuck. And it takes the right person to find the next right. way through. And it moves that trail a little further, which is really neat. It's so fun. It really is. So that brings us to the end of our trilogy on Fermat. This has been so fun. Yeah, definitely a really interesting guy and very different from the rest of our mathematicians. And I love that he was a surprise for you, too, because you really thought that when when I first brought him to you, I said, this, is, this guy's going to be fascinating. And initially, in finding some of the research, you weren't that impressed. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't until I found these sources that we've, we've mentioned a few times because they're amazing. But I had no idea it was going to end up so game showy. <laughs> but he really is. He discovered a lot of really fun math, I think. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our trilogy. So we look forward to hearing from you guys if there are mathematicians you want us to cover or questions, thoughts that you have about drawings that you have about any of our our current mathematicians. And so we, we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and Kay. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time!